This is Exploring the Seasons of Life, Podcast 38. I'm Cindy McMillan, and today's guest is Kathy Cheshire. Welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. Each week, join Cindy McMillan as she interviews coaches, spiritual explorers, and celebrants from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. I'm so excited to have my guest today, and after dark seasons of great loss, Kathy Cheshire discovered the most helpful information from academic experts. Sharing this healthy grief and healing information in easy-to-understand terms, she created programs for learning, receiving grief coaching, and becoming a certified grief coach. Kathy has several free downloadable gifts about healing at www.kathycheshire.com slash free dash gifts. Welcome to the podcast, Kathy. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you so much, Cindy. It's an honor. I appreciate it. And everything that you're doing to spread such valuable information. I'm always so admiring those who are open to learning. So I'm thankful for your listeners as well. Oh, thank you. And this is my favorite question. And I start off the podcast with the same question. What does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? To me, the seasons of life are those ups and downs and those the highs of birth and the lows of loss, no matter what that is, whatever is meaningful to a person, whether it's death or any kind of major change in life. And the exploring is when people are in deep pain, they don't want to think about lessons or gifts or blessings in disguise, but that sure has been my experience, as well as many others I've gotten to know in the grief world. Thank you. I I appreciate that. And I would love for us to talk about your journey and what inspired you to become a master grief coach and also to certify grief coaches. So I've had a lifetime of loss from abuse as a child, estrangement from family because of wanting to bring that up and and heal, and then desperate for love, going through three divorces, and then ultimately the worst loss of my only child, and then 10 years later, my husband's only child. Those in the depths of that grief, there is a pain that I didn't even know existed. And I struggled to find healthy information. And when I decided, I I spent three years barely existing. When I decided I was done with that, my heart, my soul knew that I was supposed to continue living life, an abundant life, but I didn't know how. And I initially came across information that said every year's worse. Mm. (laughs) Like, if I'm the only one in the world who's going to heal, I'm going to figure this out. And I ended up just a book, a textbook, 
I, I kind of was leaning towards the academic world. I spent 30 years in healthcare, so I could wade through scientific type information and get the heart of the message. I went to conferences. And then finally, things were just really kicking in. And I thought, People need this healthy information easily available and began to learn others wanted healthy information because they either already were supporting grievers or had healed on their journey and wanted to learn to be sure that they weren't, you know, doing something that was going to make grief harder. They wanted to learn how to support others as well. So I came up with the term master grief coach. It, the word master came to me. I watched so many master classes, you know, mm -hmm. and everybody's life has those seasons, those ups and downs. And sometimes we look at a life, especially the ones maybe we see on TV or people we don't super know, and we kind of can have an inclination to show the best of our life. But uh, we all struggle. We all, and there can be meaning in that. There can be things that come out of that. The death of my son taught me to love and cherish in a way I never did or ever dreamed I would. And that's what I dwell in now is love. So what inspired me is to want to death end grief is avoided. And I want to do my little part to help people understand it's nothing to fear. It's a natural part of life. And the worst time to learn about grief is when you're in the throes of it. That's absolutely right, Kathy. And you've used the word healthy a couple of times. Can you talk about that a little bit about when you're using the term healthy? Because I do actually, I do believe there's a healthy way to do it and an unhealthy way to do it. So when you say healthy, what do you mean by that? So there's two big parts to that. One is the belief in inner wisdom. And I, when I first was looking for help, I was looking for that guru who had all the answers. Well, there's a lot of healthy information out there about how your mind works in grief, how emotions work in grief, how the body plays a part. And this is information from PhD psychiatrists, psychologists, and neuroscientists who dedicate their career to study grief and healing and work with thousands of grievers. So healthy, two parts of that is the individual path that we play a part of that. And that the healthy part is the stuff that comes from those who really know their stuff. Some people don't like the word expert, but if you spend 20 years working with grievers from a research perspective, you're going to be pretty smart at what you're saying and doing. And what I found was in my own journey, a lot of people were stuck in their grief and putting out information about grief that no expert would say is true. And that, that really got me stuck. I see it get others stuck. So the healthy is not one grief expert, not a one of them will say that there's a certain kind of person who cannot heal. We all can. Healing is for all of us. 
Thank you for for going into that a little bit deeper. And Kathy, I just want to say, I want to give you your my condolences on your son and your stepson. But and I saw that you have their pictures out on your website. They're very handsome young men. Thank you, Cindy, so much. On your website, you say healing from inevitable suffering is a journey involving individual inner wisdom about how the mind, emotions, body, and spirit interact to become whole again or for the first time. That is really deep. And you kind of went into it a little bit right then when we were talking but healing from inevitable suffering, I, I've been thinking about that word a lot as, as, I, as I saw it on your, on your website. Can we talk about that, healing from inevitable suffering? Yes, and I purposefully point out inevitable suffering because I set myself up so many times to be in a wonderful place in my life and think that is where I was always going to stay. Now, we shouldn't worry. The best place to live is in the present moment, not regretting the past or worrying about the future. But if we tell ourselves in this wonderful space now, oh, I'm never going to suffer again, then when something, when adversity happens, it's harder. I also, this goes along with my message that I want others to learn about grief and healing and death and sadness and emotions and the mind and and the body. I didn't even know the body played a part in all this. I want people to learn about it now because then when you get into grief, you probably won't do what I did and check out of life for three years. I gave up a huge career. I was CEO of a medical practice And I just was apathetic. My mantra was life is stupid. Who goes, who has, why would I come here as a spirit and go through all this loss? Well, I have learned. And I now, because of that journey of deciding I'm going to figure this out, I love my life. And I believe we're all supposed to get to that point in our own individual way. Mm, Kathy, that's that. I love that when you said I love my life. One of the things that came to me as you were talking about when people are in this happy spot and when suffering comes around, they always think they're going to be in that happy spot. Yes. And what came to mind also is what we're going through right now with COVID. It is it, it's very horrible. But it is a season that we're in, and eventually we're going to be in a happier spot. Amen. So it goes, you know, it just ebbs and flows. Yes. And, And if I can, I'd like to talk about that. That fits into the thought part. You know, I am saying what I what I've come to learn is healing is about being whole. Our mind, our emotions, our body and our spirit which I've gone through periods of time and ignored to my own detriment. So the thought part is, and one of the free gifts talks about thought, mind, emotion, the body. The most profound lesson for me is that I am in control of my mind. So we have two parts of the mind, the subconscious and the conscious. The subconscious starts to get programmed when we're born. So what you think about grief and death or avoid 
comes from programming, from your parents, from your family. I had a program of what it meant to lose a child from TV shows, <laughs> which is not true. So when we're conscious, we can choose what we want to program. We can program love or we can program angst. And I didn't know that. And so many grievers don't know that they're feeding a program. Our beautiful brain gives us whatever we put in it. And when we're thinking thoughts over and over, I don't think about how my son died. I think about where I think he is. I think about the love we shared. I think about how he has helped to make me become the person I am. So understanding how your mind works is so important. And the mind is connected to the body. So chemicals are released. And we need those fight. If we're being chased by a tiger or a pit bull that has happened to me in my life, you need those fight or flight chemicals. But we are not meant to think things that cause these painful chemicals to go through our body for long periods of time. That is what so many scientists are now saying causes us to get sick. We can choose to program and think about positive things, which releases happy chemicals. I don't memorize the names because I don't need to know them. I just know it feels like and is natural medicine. So I cut off from my body. It hurt so much in grieving. I, I didn't pay any attention to my body. But if the body and, and the mind, as a human, what it means to be human is our body talks to us. We don't think about that. But when it hurts, it wants to feel those emotions. That also is counterintuitive. Why would I feel the pain from loss? Because that's what makes you feel better. When I finally chose to trust the experts and feel those pains, allow my body sensations, it was a whole better ball game. Because I could feel in my soul that I was dealing with grief from a human perspective and not an avoidance perspective. But, but I get it. I, and self-compassion and self-love is so important. I get why I checked out. I didn't know. So I want to do my little part. And so I'm so appreciative of those like you and so many others who are wanting to say it's okay. It's okay. It's part of our humanity to understand grief and, and what death, decide what death means to us. It's, it's, we are here mortal and truly spirits. So here mortally, I'm here to experience love or whatever I choose to do. I have so much power I didn't realize when I was in the depths of that pain. And that's why I love being a coach is because I've talked about inner wisdom. It's hard to get to that inner wisdom when you are in the throes of darkness. You know, you're just paralyzed. I, I, th I think sometimes when we're in those throes of darkness, we want someone else to give us the answers instead of looking on the inside to that inner wisdom. Yes. I was, I was doing a little reading this morning before we got on um, to record this interview, and I was reading The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Have you read that book at all? 
You know, I've read so many, Cindy, I don't remember, but I, I, it rings a bell and I've seen him in interviews. Well, I picked it up and I haven't read it in a long time, but I had underlined, death is a great teacher, but who lives with that level of awareness? It doesn't matter what age you are, at any time you could take a breath and there may never be another. It happens all the time to babies, to teenagers, to people in midlife, not just to the aged. One breath and they're gone. No one knows when their time will be. That's how it works. So why not be bold enough to regularly reflect on how you would live? And I, I, and I love that. And it's, it's kind of what you're talking about now when you're talking about body, mind, and spirit and that inner wisdom. Yes. And that's so beautiful and so powerful. But what happens is, and what happened to me is, we go along our robotic life until something happens to shake us, to look at our beliefs, to listen to the whispers that if we allow ourselves in meditation or prayer or even just calming the mind to be guided. And, and in my research, religious people call it God, spiritual people call it collective consciousness, and even scientists call it the quantum field. There are powers to guide us if we are allow ourselves to come to a place that we will let that happen. And so when you avoid death, it is scary. It's that fear of the unknown. But if you listen to what so many have to say, I've studied near-death experiences. And let me tell you all, they all say something wonderful. It's about light and love. And they can't wait to go back. But they understand that they're here with a purpose. And to me, that greatest purpose is love. I find it in places I never thought of it before. And I love how someone said, when we love ourselves, we can see the spirit in everybody else, no matter what's happening. And it's an amazing way to be here. Kathy, that is so beautiful about what you just said about loving ourselves. And when we love ourselves, we can see the love in other people. Yes. So in the conversation that we're having now, can we talk about mindfulness and grief and how we use mindfulness? And and is that being in those meditations or in those prayers and, and come into that place inside? I love that you ask about mindfulness because it took me, it sounds like such a simple thing, but it took me a while to really understand it. And it's a, it's a big, it's a, it's, there's books on it and people talk about it all the time, but I've really come to see it as something really simple, especially as it has to do with grief. Mindfulness is that conscious part of our mind that I was talking about where we have choice. So mindfulness is simply being aware and deciding how, how do I want to be in this moment with whatever's going on? And what happens is because our subconscious mind is so powerful, 
especially if we get triggered in something with anger or or sadness or it takes over. I still work on this to this day when I have powerful emotion. That swish comes up and mindfulness is where I pause, come into that conscious part of my mind and decide, am I, am I loving myself and others in this situation? Because especially when I'm angry, when I get triggered with something angry, I'm not who I always want to be. So it's really a simple concept. And, and I see so many people controlled by their subconscious mind. It's a comfort zone. You know, you've got decades compared to when you were first becoming aware of mindfulness. That's what I found is this, is this back and forth thing, but it's worth working on because you feel so good when you make choices that you want, not, not coming from, you know, whatever you did in the past when it's things that you don't want to handle the same way anymore. You know, when you were talking about getting triggered, I a lot of times we'll get triggered at Mother's Day. Yeah. Not that I am, I am very, very happy that people have mothers that they can celebrate and that they can, you know, be with. Yeah. But my mother has passed away. So that that day is a hard day for me. And I ha- I have to be really, I'm going to use mindful of that day and what triggers me and exactly what you're saying, Kathy, about being aware of how I am reacting to things, especially on that day. And what you're thinking about, are you thinking about not having your mom here in physical form? Are you thinking about all the loving, wonderful memories and ways that you embody all the best things about your mother? Ooh, I just got goosebumps all over my body. (laughs) I did too. I love that. (laughs) Ah, we, we, it's, it's, um, if you if you're new to learning mindfulness it's simple but you got to understand that subconscious programs holidays and anniversaries were hard for me until i said no it's just another day i love my son in spirit as much every day and i want to be happy and feel good but you also have to be careful that if it's emotion coming up we are meant to feel that, but not for the whole day. Emotion does, some experts say emotion lasts for 90 seconds. I'd say it's triple that. But if you let yourself ball and get that emotion out, you feel better and your body says thank you. And then you can easier move to other things. Where we get into trouble, and all the experts say this, where we get into trouble is when we dwell on negative things. So mindfulness helps us to pay attention. Our mind, our body, our spirit, our emotions, that's what it all, all together, like that is a recent Aha for me. I always looked at things individual. It's all together what it means to be human. And we want to love and tend to all of it in ourselves so then we can help others. 
Well, Kathy, I had an aha when you said that about, you know, am I, am I missing um, my mother in her physical form or am I thinking about embodying, you know, all her wonderful traits and qualities? I'm paraphrasing there. Yes. I love whoever said, I love the, the thinking, this helps me so much is my son died in 2007. So I'm 13 years since he died. I don't even try to track his age because I don't see a purpose. And I'm 13 years since he died, but I'm that many more years closer to being again with him in spirit. So I embrace the mystery now. And follow my heart and soul, which says, I'm supposed to have fun. And that that I'm careful with, you know, when I talk about the death of a child, because if a person's new in that grief, they're they're gonna be like, You're crazy woman. And I get that totally. And I honor their pain, but I want them to know that healing is possible. One of the worst phrases in the world is, and you said something similar to this, one of the worst phrases is children aren't supposed to die before their parents. That's not real life. Children die all the time. I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to that. Now, especially as a coach, I know so many stories. And we focus on the love those children brought us. My son gave me the best love. That's what I want to embody myself. And, and I can, I also think about, think about when my husband travels and he used to go to China and I still loved him. So now my son is in spirit and I actually, in some ways, without the physical hugging, love him even more than I ever did before I had to learn in very hard ways, these amazing life lessons. Speaking about uh, the death of a child, you're the author of Thriving After the Death of a Child. So I'm curious, was it in the writing of that book that helped you develop an action plan to improve your life? And improve your life may not be the, the correct phrase that I'm trying to say, Kathy. Which came first? Did you do your healing work first and write the book or was it writing the book that helped you with your healing journey? I was a business person. I worked my way up in 30 years in healthcare from a receptionist to an administrator, a CEO. And so because I struggled, how am I going to get out of this pit of darkness? The only thing I knew to do was to do an action plan, which included a list that came out of me one day at lunch. I'm going to work on every area of my life, and here's what those are. I prioritized. I took them one at a time, starting with my mind, knowing it was driving me crazy but not knowing how to change it. I worked on that first and it was a miracle. It was a miracle. And then the book came out of me. I've heard people say that book just flowed out of me. Well, I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning with these sentences spinning in my head (laughs) (laughs) and it just boom came out of me. And it truly was, here's what's, and I, I encourage all of those who feel they have a book in them. Books help other people. Stories help other people to inspire them. Not that anybody would follow my exact action plan. I've learned so much other ways that experts recommend is a healthy way to look at grief and healing. But that book 
was healing for me because it forced me to look at truths. Mm. I couldn't just whine on the pages. I did a lot of whining back then, understandably. I, I openly talk about all the mistakes I made because I want others to know if you made a mistake, it's okay and it makes sense and forgive yourself. Self-forgiveness is so important, but where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? Sometimes people want to be in that darkness for a while, but when you're ready, there's so many resources, including yourself, Cindy, to find who resonates with you. Take it all in and use what works. That's what I did. That's what got me here. And I love talking about this stuff because I'm an example of a possibility to go through all this loss, the death of our only two children, and still love and honor life. It is absolutely possible. When you just said love and honor life, I th- I think when people are in there or grieving, they don't see that that's possible. And for me, that was because I was never told it was. And so we want to honor that pain. We want to feel it, but, but we don't want to dwell in it. We don't want to do what I did, which was say things like life is stupid. I'll never have joy again. I am being punished. I mean, all those, all those unconstructive thoughts we come up with because we don't know what to do adds to our suffering unnecessarily. Now, I heard someone say this, and I cannot remember who it was, but that said you have to feel it to heal it. Yes. I never knew what that meant until I allowed one of one of the emotions that I was suppressing was that I, I was the sorrow from not being able to save my son. My 16-year-old beautiful child died in a car accident. And when I finally trusted that phrase... It was healing. Listen to me talk about, I couldn't talk about my, even say my son's name before. When I cried on the, I was at a class, woke up early in the morning. I was by myself in a hotel room and I let that pain embrace me and I bawled the ugly cry, Oprah calls it. (laughs) I, I didn't care. I was tired of nothing else working well. And it was healing. And it doesn't make sense, but it works. It feels so awful and scary. And people think they're going to get stuck in it or it's going to be worse. And it's not. It's the other way around. That statement is true. It confused me for a long time. But I am not aware of one person who's, who let that feeling out and is still stuck in it. Oh, there's no Sally over there. She's been crying like ball. She's been bawling for five years. No, it's energy. I didn't know that. Emotion is energy. It can get stuck in our body. There's a beautiful book from Dr. Bessel van der Kolk called The Body Keeps the Score. It's all connected. So not letting that energy out is like holding a beach ball underwater. It's exhausting. It's life limiting. And yeah, it doesn't make sense, but it works. Feel it to heal it is for me 
has been one of the most amazing truths I have learned in my entire life. And I was going to ask you what you have read that has inspired you. Could you just repeat that um, book that you just mentioned? The Body Keeps the Score. Another wonderful author, I can't remember, he's written a couple of books, is Dr. Peter Levine. And he created somatic experiencing, somatic being the body. When I first heard that word, I didn't know what it was. I was like, what do you mean my body plays a part in healing? What? (laughs) But man, is it true? And he studied animals. They don't get stuck in grief. Well, what do they do? They allow their body sensations. They allow themselves to shake. They, they, They naturally get that that energy is supposed to be felt for it to be released. I had never thought about that, but that is absolutely right. If if a little puppy is scared, it shakes. Yes. You know, if they shake, but we stop it. And yes. it gets stuck in our body. And then we ignore the sensations of our body saying, please, please cry. Please express what's on your heart. Please talk about it. So we all feel better. All being the mind, the emotion, the spirit. Kathy, I am I am just loving this conversation and the whole body, mind, and spirit. That just all resonates and touches my heart. So, and I want to be respectful of your time. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, What would you tell her about the season of life that you're in now? You know, I learned from experts, you can, you can go back to your child. A lot of our struggles in our adult life come from programs we took on either from others and sometimes ourselves. And I would go back and say, I love you and you are love. And I love how a spiritual mentor of mine, Dr. Joe Driscoll, recently said to me, we are all enough. But I, I, was, I was so drowning in pain, not knowing where it was coming. I have this relationship with my teenage child self. Some people call it reparenting. I'm in a space now where I can give I see them as my subconscious thoughts from that time. I can give the love now that I never had then. That is, that has just been hugely healing. I would tell them everything's going to be okay. Nobody ever said that to me. And so I never thought it would, but I know that now. If I can get through the death of two children, I can get through anything, but it's, it's being mindful of how I decide that I want to do that. So we can love whatever age, especially at whatever age we had terrible things happen in our life. And let me tell you what experts say. There was this big, huge study. I think it's called ACEs. I can't remember what it stands for. But those who have been through childhood adversity who don't heal often have more disease understandably, because I talked about those chemicals. You know, you go from 10 years old when a parent died by suicide or some something happened terrible in the family nobody would talk about. 
we can go back to those thoughts and have conversations with them now from a, an adult, compassionate, loving perspective. I did some training with the late Debbie Ford oh. and you know her work was around the shadow. Yes. And and I love I love talking about, you know, the things that how it starts off at our childhood and we carry those through. I saw her talk on Oprah interview and could so what she said so resonated with me. And it's in us unless we deal with it in a healthy way. And again, there's so many ways to do that. And there's definitely a way for everybody. And again, which is why I'm so thankful for those like you who are putting out such wonderful, helpful, uplifting information so people have opportunity from lear- to learn from different options and try different things. That's the other big lesson. If you try something that doesn't work, it's all right. Try something else. Thank you, Kathy. I appreciate you saying that because the podcast, you know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of different people on with a lot of different modalities. And that is exactly my thought process. I'm putting different things out. And what may work for one person may not work for another, but just keep, keep trying. So excellent. So appreciated. And it has been an absolute pleasure to meet you, Cindy. Uh, I've loved this. And can you tell our listeners how to connect with you online? Everything's at my website, kathycheshire.com, C-A-T-H-Y-C-H-E-S-H-I-R-E. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Cindy. You've been listening to Exploring the Seasons of Life and my conversation with Kathy Cheshire. If you enjoy this show and want a free and easy way to help us grow, the most effective way you can help us is to subscribe to the show by clicking subscribe in iTunes or write us a review in iTunes. Or you can share this show with one friend right now, which I absolutely would love for you to do. I know it seems so simple, but ratings and reviews can help influence the choice of podcasts people choose to listen to. And don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also reach me via the website, CynthiaMacMillan.com. Until next time, live inspired.